Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Tim Arroyo. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. Okay, so this morning is going to be a little different. Uh, Jamie is down south at the South Campus, spitting hot fire down there. And uh, we're going to do something a little different. Look at your neighbor and say, oh. <laughs> a little different. Um, you know, I'm actually, I, I felt this morning... <clears throat> to teach uh, on the prophetic. I I felt this morning to actually, uh, you know, we do a a class called School of the Prophets, and I'm actually going to teach the first session of that class. And, um, you know, the prophetic is such a special, uh, obviously it's, it's special to me, but it's such a crucial part of building a kingdom community in the earth. You'll have to forgive me with my cough drop and all of that. You'd probably rather hear the sound of my cough drop than the sound of me dying on this microphone. So just, <laughs> you just have to forgive me for that. Um, I, I want to do another show of hands. Raise your hand if you, the majority of your growing up in the church, of your Christian formation, your spiritual life, growing up in the church, raise your hand if you grew up in an environment that taught a healthy prophetic ministry theology and modeled it at the same time. Hey, that's significantly more than the first service, but that was about 12. So this gift, say gift, that Paul said we should desire above all the other gifts that through Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit activates in us today. This gift that is central to who we are as a community, unfortunately, even regionally, it's been hard to grow up, to find an environment where you can actually grow up in a culture that teaches a healthy biblical perspective of prophecy. I'm not meaning to, but there's a good chance that just teaching on the prophetic this morning might even step on a few parts of our history, maybe, where some of our interactions with, quote unquote, the word of the Lord maybe weren't so good. Is that okay? I got to get rid of this cough drop. It's killing me. I'm sorry. I put it on my phone this morning and Beth took it because it was gross. So now, okay. Lord, give your servant strength in his lungs. This is so crucial that as a community and as a church family, we actually uh, redefine what it means to grow up in a prophetic environment, right? My hope is that because of the way we, all of us, not just me or anybody on stage, but because that the way that we collectively, all of us in this room, all of us attached to this movement, that the way that we live our lives, that when my kids grow up and they were asked that same question, hey, did anybody here grow up in an environment that taught a healthy biblical perspective of the prophetic and you saw people walk on it every day, that all their hands would go up? Because of you. 
because of what you've done. We can teach, but you guys are actually creating the environment that my daughter will understand as the expression of church. Oh, you didn't know you had that responsibility. (laughs) And you know, a lot of us, I know I did for a long time, a lot of us can actually operate in a level of the prophetic and, uh, you know, really zero in on this gift because we live or we exist in an environment, maybe like Kingdom Life Church, that celebrates and encourages and operates in the prophetic, but, you know, we're actually more just modeling the environment around us Right? A lot of the kids, a lot of the teenagers that I grew up with, that's what we did. But there wasn't actually a sense of us. We were responding to what everyone around us was doing, but we weren't necessarily responding to the revelation and the weight of what the scriptures welcomed us to. So when all my friends left the church we were a part of, the prophetic left with it. Right? And so if we're not careful, we're going to do the same thing here Believe it or not, this might be like controversial to say, some of you in this room will likely go on to other places and other churches and do other things. Right? And my hope is that while you're here, you get this thing of the prophetic ministry so in you that you could leave this environment and because it's rooted in the word and it's rooted in your own walk with Jesus and your own experience with the Holy Spirit that it actually goes with you. That you would walk in New Testament prophetic ministry for the rest of your life. Because it's not about just, it's a beautiful on-road, identifying with a prophetic culture and modeling what you see, but it actually goes to the next step. So what I want to do is I just want to honestly just teach the biblical, very basics and foundation of the prophetic ministry, Old Testament into New Testament prophetic ministry. And I have a feeling, even as we teach about the Old Testament prophetic ministry, you're going to see some stuff that's like, wait a minute, people are still doing that today. And they're not supposed to be. And I think hopefully for those of us that have never really been exposed to the prophetic, never been exposed to healthy teaching, that today is a starting point. And for those of us that maybe have been, that we get re-reminded of the weight and the beauty and the power of this gift and operation among a people. Okay? So the prophetic ministry started in the Old Testament with prophets. Look at your neighbor and say prophets. Prophets, the word was nabi. It was a spokesperson or an inspired man. I should say, friends, this is going to feel like a class session. You're going to feel like you just went back to, to you know, college or if you're like me and maybe didn't make it to college, uh, high school. I mean, I slept through high school, so maybe that's not a good example for me either. Whatever, it's going to feel like school. It's going to feel like school, so that's going to be good. Oh, that's funny. Numbers 12, 6 says, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him. The Old Testament prophet was in a sense a bridge between heaven and earth. Prophets were the voice of God to the people of the earth. In short, their purpose was to perceive and receive what God wanted to say and speak it on his behalf to the people. Very simple, right? 
Prophets house the unique God-given ability to hear God and understand what he was revealing. In fact, these prophets became key figures in society, speaking into the nation on every level. Daniel, Ezekiel, Isaiah, these were all prophets that spoke to kings. You know, when kings would go to war or not go to war, what would they do? They would ask the prophets. These were not just hidden men in, you know, in caves that nobody knew about. You know, they had reputations. One of them was even called the troubler of Israel because he had a reputation. The prophetic had a reputation of calling out the wickedness in kings and the wickedness in, in, a, in a nation, right? And so these were not hidden figures. These were public figures. These prophets were key figures. God so heavily relied on speaking through his prophets in the Old Testament. Listen to what this says. This is Amos 3, 7. It says, surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So God chose to lean on the prophets so heavily to bring clarity to what he was doing. He wouldn't even execute his will in the earth until he spoke to a prophet. Isn't that crazy? That is so different. See, these prophets were these singular people. We weren't talking about a whole group of people. We were talking about one person, not through inheritance, but you know how prophets became prophets in the Old Testament? unwavering devotion to Yahweh that set themselves up for a divine encounter where God himself appeared to them and sovereignly placed a mantle of prophetic responsibility and ministry on them. It's Isaiah in Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and then the coal touches his lips and he says, whom shall I send? And he sends him. It's Moses by a burning bush. Elijah prophesies because he has an encounter with God and a mandate from God gets put on him. So the prophetic ministry, now this is important for us later, the prophetic ministry in the Old Testament wasn't through inheritance. You weren't born with it, right? It's Maybelline. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all were just waiting for it. <laughs> You're not born with it. It wasn't inherent. Isaiah didn't wake up a prophet. He became a prophet the moment God said, you are one. And that's actually an important thing to note. These guys had uncompromising devotion and they had commissioning encounters with God. And these guys had no wiggle room for unfaithfulness in their life. Kings had wiggle room. We see in David's life, there was room for him to walk in compromise, but get restored back to his kingly identity because of the nature of what he was on the earth to do. Prophets didn't have that benefit. No compromise in a prophet. You don't have stories of prophets. I've searched, I tried to find of prophets that actually ended up walking in sin and ended their life in sin. There was no room for it. The moment you did that, you were no longer a prophet. There's balance to this. Okay? 
Now, I, we're going to get there. I don't want to over get into it now, but that's such a strong statement about the holiness and the unwavering devotion of a prophet and this Old Testament mindset that once you like waver in your devotion, you are no longer a prophet. There is elements of that passion and that zeal and that faithfulness, that like Nazarite type faithfulness that obviously translates today as the pathway of a New Testament believer would walk into a greater experience and partnership with the heart of God and a greater experience of seeing the prophetic operate. But the difference between today and then is that we access a prophetic gift through inheritance by the blood of Jesus which is not attached to our good behavior. So there's a balance here. You guys hang in the tension with me? There's some beauty that you take from the unwavering devotion and the fact that God almost always decided to pick from his priests, the worshipers, the sons of Levi, he almost always picked them to be prophets because they're the ones that stood before the Lord ministering to him, right? There's something there for us. But we have to kind of leave behind this idea that I lose the gift God has given me because my behavior was poor this week. The hinge point of prophetic ministry today is the finished work of Jesus. Right? Okay. I was supposed to say that later, but I could feel some of us being like, oh my God, I've sinned this week and I can no longer be a prophet. Because <laughs> some, some people teach that stuff. Some people, and this is why I'm saying this, some people treat the Old Testament prophetic reality of Old Testament prophets as if it's New Testament and it's not. There's beauty to take from it and there's some context to take from it, but it's not the same. Even the act of prophesying is often a little different. You know, in the Old Testament, there is a few uh, definitions of the, actually the word prophecy, like the act of prophesying. My favorite one is being carried away by divine frenzy. You know, when these Old Testament prophets would prophesy, it would be a sight to behold. The spirit of the Lord would come upon them. It would literally put them into an ecstatic state, transcend their whole person, and they would begin to utter the word of the Lord. Jeremiah says, his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. You know, it was as if God was talking into a microphone, and for a moment, these prophets were no longer themselves, they were God's amplifying system. All their faculties were just completely taken over, and they became the voice of God in the earth. Now, I believe that, that that reality of ecstatic prophecy is a way that sometimes the Lord will move today, right? But the ministry of the prophetic in the daily life of the believer, unless you are called to live a life like this, for most of us, is actually going to be quite different. And if we're not careful... We're actually going to have this standard of what it means to walk in the prophetic 
that is based on an Old Testament expression of just ecstatic prophecy where people were just like taken over and like come to like, oh, what did I say? But actually this New Testament reality can sometimes be an experience of it's just like it's quieter than a whisper. Right? Like for you, what's your name again? Yeah. Nate. Nate. I know your name. I'm just the worst with names. Thanks. Thanks for the grace. You just gave me the grace, one of those. It's all right. Like when I look at you, I see new things. I see new businesses. I see, I see this brand new identity, this new Nate. And I feel, um, man, I, I feel the sense of like, there are things that you actually loved in your childhood that the Lord is restoring back to you. But it's actually a part of your adult. Does that land for you? Does that make sense? Like there's actually stuff that you loved, even toys you played with that were super fun and funny that God's like, actually, I was speaking about what you're going to be doing in the future. Does that, does that land for you? Can I ask you, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you want to actually get into like combat sports kind of a thing. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. There's something there for you there. It's, it's cool because I think of the Lord speaking that that means it's more than just like, Oh, I guess this is cool. It's like, no, God's like, I'm actually in that dude. So permission granted to go after it, you know, to start building around it and see what the Lord might do. Isn't that cool? Isn't God awesome? Now, let me ask you a question. At any point, did it feel like I went to an ecstatic state and became like another person? (laughs) Nope. Just me. Just your boy, Tim. But was God not speaking in that moment? Right? And so now we've transitioned from this Old Testament way where only the special, not in a negative way, but only the specifically anointed and appointed prophet could just get overtaken, become like, what did we say? A ventriloquist. You're like a ventriloquist dummy. And you just say whatever God's saying and nothing, and that's it. Like all of a sudden there's this new dynamic where every believer gets to join in, and it's like, man, I have this sense of I hear in part, that's what the Bible says, and I know in part. Like, I didn't know that he liked army stuff, and that he sees, I just, I know there's something about your childhood. It's like, I'm, it's like I'm looking at information that's veiled, but I can still feel what it is, right? Just being honest about my process. What I'm trying to do is actually make the prophetic feel very normal, and actually make it feel, it is mystical. It's a capacity within us by the Holy Spirit where his spirit speaks to my spirit and it starts to fill my emotions and fill my thoughts. I don't know a blessed thing about you. I did know now that I'm like, we're talking about, oh yeah, I've seen you in jujitsu stuff fighting with Dustin. So I like, it started to come back as I started talking to you, but there's no capacity within me to actually know this about him. But the capacity is for my spirit to spirit connection with God. And all of a sudden things that I would have no ability to know. And I don't fully know. I just know enough to get the message across. 
Right? I know there was a lot. It's cool, though. Here's what's important about, well, hmm. It's important to know why we do this, right? Because like with just about anything in life, you can do the same thing for different reasons. And the context of why you do something will actually bring clarity to the fruit that it's going to produce. In the Old Testament, with the Old Testament prophet, you know, the man, the woman of God, the prophetic, the ecstatic prophet, the lens that they prophesied through was the Old Testament law, right? And the purpose of the law primarily was to reveal the wide gap between God's holiness and the sinfulness of men while also bringing clarity to the punishment received for falling short of God's holiness and establishing orders for what needs to be done to receive forgiveness from God. This was the law. And this was the perfect, the, the purpose of the Old Testament prophet was to stand before sinful Israel and convince them by the word of God that God was holy, that they were sinful, the gap was wide, and that they need to sort it out. New Testament prophecy is a whole different context, though. And this is why it's important to denote what was the context, what was the goal of Old Testament prophecy. Because unfortunately, there are some environments that will try to take that goal and put it on this side of the cross. I got a feeling there's probably people in this room that have experienced the prophetic ministry of people whose aim was actually to expose their sin. and to convince them of the space between them and God's purpose for their life and to try to tell them what they need to do to make it right. Just saw a few smirks coming my way. Maybe some of us have experienced that before. Well, if it's not supposed to be that, then what is it supposed to be? New Testament prophecy. The word for prophesy is used 28 times in the New Testament, including the scripture where Paul says, above everything, I want you to do this. And that word for prophecy is in, is in a sense, it's in two different words. It's pro means speaking before or in front of, or and the second half is femi, which means to bring forth into light by asserting one point of view or another. Another way to say it is it's literally to produce an epiphany. So you put that together, it's before something has actually taken place, you speak to it before it happens, and an epiphany is made known in the thoughts of a believer as a result of it. Let me put it together like this. The prophetic is the moments of God's thoughts being illuminated to us now before events take place. God producing an epiphany inside of you and me that impacts the days to come. 
The full translation of that word, uh, prophetes, maybe how the Greeks might say it, to speak forth in divinely inspired forthtelling. Forthtelling is an important word there. A forthtelling which reveals the mind or message of God in a particular situation. Julian Adams actually calls it God's preferred future. In essence, we are pulling back the veil and speaking into what it would be like if God had his way in a person or a situation. The purpose of the prophetic is to reveal God's preferred future. What's it trying to expose? The heart of God. The person of Jesus Christ. The desire and the longing that Jesus has for the earth. How many know that Jesus, when he looks at every single one of you, has thoughts and ideas of what the next couple months of your life ought to look like? Let alone the next couple years, right? But this word, forth-telling, is important. And a lot of people, when they splice up the scriptures, they get really mixed up because they feel like if it's really going to be prophetic, maybe some of you have heard this before, it has to predict the future. So if you give me a prediction about this, it's almost like fortune-telling, you know? And if you don't predict the future and the details that tomorrow I'm going to get in my Lexus and eat cornflakes and take the back roads instead of the highway and I'm going to know all these details. It's not the prophetic because you're not predicting the future. That's foretelling. Forthtelling is actually speaking into the values, into the ministry that the Holy Spirit is wanting to accomplish inside of a person or a situation. And the details actually get fleshed out as you move into what God is speaking. Let's take this example. I'm not telling you that you should start this business and call it this and that next week. You got to do this and that. I'm speaking to what is the intention of God towards you in this season. You know what's crazy? On the timeline, God showed me something about his past. So we were actually looking backwards in time, seeing what God was speaking then, because when we looked back at what God was doing, it wasn't about predicting the future, it was about speaking into where he's going. So the pressure's off to like try to predict the future and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's not about that. It's about revealing the heart and the will. It's this illumination. It's God is doing. It's Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know why this is important, friends? The way I see it, you are going to walk towards what you look at. Right? Unless you walk like this, but we usually don't do that. We're usually, in a life sense, walking towards what we're looking at. And what this gift of the prophetic does in a community of people 
is it constantly keeps what's in front of us as God's preferred future. Imagine, if you would, for a moment, a whole army, family of believers that were constantly doing what just happened with me and Nate all the time. Not having to become weird, you know, eagle-looking, ecstatic prophets that predict the future, but being themselves And because of what God accomplished on the cross and the oneness that our spirits have with him, having our own connection, being a sheep of the Lord, hearing his voice and an ability to just quite simply say what we hear him speaking over each other. What's that going to do? It's going to keep our eyes on what God is doing, which means it's going to keep us walking towards what God is doing. Anybody in their life just find themselves, man, you go through season, it's like you got distracted. It's like, man, I just, I lost sight. I lost sight of what I'm here to do. I lost sight of what God's spoken over my life. God's spoken to me to go into ministry, but I lost sight of it, and it was easier for me. This is actually a word for somebody in this room. God has spoken to you about being called to ministry, but whether it's through hurt or whatever, you lost sight, and it became easier to go into business, but the Lord is saying, don't forget what I've spoken to you. Don't forget what I've called you to. Would you be brave enough to raise your hand if that's you? Yeah, a few of you, a few of you. Okay, a handful. Stand up really quick. Real quick, just stand up. If that lands on you, you know you're called to ministry, but kind of running from it to go into business. Father, I thank you that the call to ministry still stands today. And Father, right now, <laughs> like dangling a carrot in front of a horse at a racetrack, Father, I ask that they would be led with vision of the things that you've called them to. God, the things that you've called them to in secret, the ministry that you've called them to, Lord, we declare with them that they wouldn't lose hope, that they wouldn't lose focus, but God, in hope and in faith, they would run towards the things that you've promised them. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine, day and night, night and day. Doesn't it kind of make sense now that Paul was like, hey, above everything, be able to do that for one another. You know what the prophetic does in 1 Corinthians 14, 3? It says, but he who prophesies speaks edification, say edification, Edification. exhortation, and comfort to men. Three things that the prophetic uniquely does among believers. Edification. The word for edification is actually used more times in scripture to say building. To build something. The prophetic is used to build up people, assisting in their spiritual formation so that they look more like Jesus. Well, that sounds pretty good. It says, But he who prophesies speaks exhortation. What does that mean? It means encouragement, it means you're adding courage into one another, which is especially important. If you are lacking courage, (laughs) how many know that we kind of have a deficit of courageous believers? 
the kind of believers that are actually willing to risk their finances, their reputation, to risk the, the, their whole lives, their families, to step out on the water of the word that God has spoken over their life and their destiny. I'm going to tell you right now, we've got a vacuum of courage in the church of people that are willing to simply walk. You know what God told Joshua before he was going into the promised land? He said, have courage to do what? To do two things. Number one, have courage because you're about to fight giants and that's scary. That's pretty simple, right? Have courage for the battle. And then he said, have courage to do all that is in my word. He was actually saying, have courage because you are going to have to just like hear what I say to you and believe me and risk your life for it. And he did it. And look at what happened. And in the same way, God is speaking to the church saying, hey, have courage to do all that is in my word, my written word, and to do all that I speak to you. Have courage. And what does the prophetic do? It releases courage to each other. So it exhorts, and that, or it, it's edifying in that it builds you, and then it's an exhortation, which means it gives you courage to walk out what is being built in you, and then lastly, it gives you comfort. Say comfort. Comfort, comfort means, in this, in this language, it means soothing speech from someone who is close by. Comfort is the Lord impacting our emotional state by showcasing the awareness and nearness of God to us and to our situation. So here's what the prophetic does. It builds something in you. It forms something in you that needs to be built and walked out. And then it releases courage to you to actually believe that you can walk the thing out. And then it releases comfort in you that you need to endure whatever you need to endure to see it walked out into fullness. So smart. So brilliant. No wonder, again, no wonder Paul says, to desire this above everything. You know, I wish I had a better, fancier way to say this. Jamie probably would. I just want us to prophesy all the flipping time. <laughs> but I know that so many of us haven't had the benefit of having a preacher when they're young saying, you can do this as you are. It's not your good behavior that gives you access. It's your inheritance because of Jesus. Amen. You'll probably mess it up, but it's okay. God's reputation isn't on the line. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> we can actually, there's even, I mean, Paul literally gives us guidelines in the New Testament of how to walk with and unpack and judge and reason the prophetic among community. God has equipped us with an ability to actually start exercising the prophetic among believers and actually weigh it out to see its fruit become purified over time. How you know, like when I started prophesying, when I was like 12, I said some stupid stuff 
Jim and Kim were there for a lot of it. <laughs> oh man, there's one story. I won't say it, but there's one story. I said some real dumb stuff. I told this one girl. No, I'm not going to say it. It's too bad. It's too bad. <laughs> it's just, it's embarrassing, I guess. No, I told this, this woman that she was going to like, oh God, I don't even want to say it. It's so bad. That um, I have to know. I have to know. I remember telling a, a woman that she was going to actually be pursued by four different men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like all this stuff. And it was like, you know, bad. It's a long time ago. I was a teenager. Y'all were doing this in your 30s. I did that in my I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know what? Jim and Kim were so good at creating an environment where I could do stupid stuff like that. And they would fix it and have meetings with that, with the people and like make it all better. You know, be like, yeah, he's young. He's figuring it out. But I never felt like I wasn't allowed to keep trying. Imagine, imagine if they had told me, like, hey, you need to stop. You got it wrong. You know, a friend of mine said, Paul's, Paul's uh, response to people learning and growing in the prophetic isn't like that you're not allowed anymore. It's not, like, his response to misuse isn't disuse. That's what he said. But it's that, hey, every time we actually try to operate in this gift in community, among believers, that actually it's an open invitation to a deeper sense of relationship. Like, I feel like I know you better. And I feel like, hey, let's say I actually said something to Nate that was a little weird. Like, there would be an opportunity for you to come and be like, hey, man, that felt weird. Unpack that more for me. That didn't land. I, I don't understand that. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I just, uh, uh, this is what I thought I was feeling. And you can actually, you, uh, oftentimes... I fleshed out, man, this is what I was really feeling and I didn't know how to say it. And all of a sudden, like, oh, that makes sense. The way you said it didn't make sense. But now that, you're, now that we're actually in relationship, communicating to one another about this word that you're trying to bring, the, way, the encouragement, I mean, I'm trying to just kick over everything right now that you all would feel afraid of like, encountering if you were to try to actually operate in the prophetic more. Like, what if I get it wrong? It'll be all right. Just call us and we'll help you fix it. Will you make a mess? We'll all clean it up together, right? Because in the end, and Beth, you can come on up. In the end, you know, the goal of the prophetic, and this is why it's so easy. I don't know, maybe the best way to say it, it's so easy to win. It's so easy to be successful in the prophetic because the Bible's really clear. The highest goal of the prophetic isn't accuracy. It's actually love. And although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and although I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. The greatest privilege of being a community that walks in the prophetic isn't that we all are accurate, isn't that everybody gets prophetic clarity it's that everybody gets to experience for a moment the love of God and so if you want to ask like okay how do I grow in the prophetic well if you actually make it your ambition to grow in love the prophetic will find you 
Did you know that? If you actually start making your hearts cry, Father, would you grow my love for the people around me? You will become a magnet for the word of the Lord to be released in your life. And you will be confronted with moments and opportunities to courageously share for, for other people what you feel like God is trying to reveal to them now about what's to come. Why don't you stand?